Hello, Tom Myers here. If you're like me and you've got a lot to say, a lot of stories to share, a lot of opinions to give, then listen up. I'm going to talk about something that's going to take your passion for podcasts to the next level. I'm talking about the 7 Million Bikes podcast course. This is the podcasting course you need. Imagine having the skills, the knowledge, and the confidence to create, produce, and grow a successful podcast. And you're not doing it alone. I'm talking about Neil Mackay, the podcast guy, founder of 7 Million Bikes Podcasts. He knows what it takes to turn your passion into a podcast that stands out. He's going to guide you through everything from podcast ideas that resonate to nailing that audio production and even editing your episodes like a pro. With 23 tutorials and over three hours of video content, this course is packed with practical tips, real-world examples, and everything you need to know to get started. Just $97 for a wealth of knowledge that'll set you up for podcasting success it's a no-brainer think about it less than a hundred bucks to unleash your creativity share your story and potentially even turn your passion into a profitable business people like ian payton who's taken the course launched their own podcast and already in the top 10 percent of podcasts worldwide and you could be next the seven million bikes podcast course is your ticket to podcasting greatness. Go to the link in my show notes right now and let's make your podcasting dream a reality. Hi, I'm A.A. Ron, the owner and producer of Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y Funny Productions. Bombing Run, the original comedy combat game show. It's an hour's worth of comedians clashing with their jokes. And soon to be released, Orbs Wacky World, a talk show with a twist. It will be a mix of comedy, unusual questions and music with orb as the host oddly funny productions we might be odd but we bring the funny to you that's a-w-d-l-y funny productions hey everyone it's me again if you're tired of listening to this show with all these ads in the way go ahead and subscribe to my patreon in addition to listening to this show without the ads you also get extended versions of these episodes and bonus clips as well doesn't cost that much you can get plans for as low as one dollar a month you can show the love and your support just go to patreon.com slash tom myers spelled m-y-e-r-s and subscribe and listen and enjoy today again that's patreon.com slash Tom Myers. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Tom Myers versus the rest of the world. This is our 2022 best of and unheard bit special. So far, part one. In this episode, you will hear our favorite moments from this past year, plus some bits that didn't quite make the initial airing. Joining me tonight are Jeff Heisen, Abby Mello, Michelle Wojcikowski, Gina Brown, Devine Kerr, David Kay, Tara Haley, Chip Jones, Allison Chadwick, Ward Morrow, and Misha Kalin. A study in Hong Kong stated that hamsters were capable of catching COVID-19, meaning the virus is transmissible through anal sex. (laughs) (laughs) Former Alaska governor and vice presidential candidate Sarah Palin tested positive for COVID-19 again. I'm legit shocked as I didn't think anyone was willing to get close enough for her for her to be infected. (laughs) Stormy Daniels won her lawsuit against her former attorney, Michael Avenatti, after it was revealed that he stole money from her book proceeds. 
it turns out there are limits to how a porn star is willing to be fucked. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) This episode was recorded before Vladimir Putin's complete invasion of the West. So in honor of that event, this episode will be simulcast in both English and Russian. (laughs) A trucker convoy was blocking ports of entry from Canada into the United States. American politicians wanted to do the same thing here and even had plans to block the SoFi Stadium before the Super Bowl. It's Los Angeles traffic. Who would know the difference? (laughs) In Los Angeles traffic, the five freeway can turn into a parking lot if a motorist stops to look at a nude selfie Britney Spears posted on Instagram. It would be interesting to see them do that outside M&T Bank Stadium before a Ravens game. Of course, those poor truckers would probably get shot. And that would be before the Baltimore City Police got there. Joe Biden named Judge Katanji Brown Jackson to be his nominee for the United States Supreme Court. He made that decision while he was dealing with Russia invading Ukraine. That shows he knows how to multitask, as opposed to Trump, whose idea of multitasking was wiping his ass on the toilet while eating a Big Mac. (laughs) Donald Trump's accounting firm dropped him as a client, saying their financial statements they prepared could no longer be relied upon. That's probably overcautious. Sure, they may have broken the law, but accountants really aren't in that good physical shape to be attractive to their cellmates. (laughs) I realize that joke probably should have gone in the last episode, but I have a policy. No prison sex jokes in two consecutive episodes. (laughs) Some lines you just don't cross. Joe Biden was heckled during his State of the Union speech by Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert. They both reminded me of the remaining cast members of Sex and the City if they joined QAnon, blocked Miranda on Facebook, and moved to Staten Island. (laughs) Why even bother yelling at Biden during a big speech like that? Clearly, even they don't believe a word those conservative blogs post, because if they did, they would know that Biden could be easily distracted by waving an open bottle of women's shampoo in front of him. (laughs) That joke is literally just for the Spotify listeners that I have. (laughs) All two of them. (laughs) In an interview on a podcast hosted by Trump election lawyer Jenna Ellis, Kyle Rittenhouse stated that Joe Biden never returned his messages requesting a meeting with him. Jenna Ellis responded by saying, you think that's bad? Try getting farted on by Rudy Giuliani. If it's any consolation, Kyle, Ted Cruz never got a meeting with Biden, and he just looks like a mass murderer. The United States Senate conducted its questioning on Supreme Court nominee Ketanji Brown Jackson this week. Republican senators spent so much time hammering Judge Jackson about her sentences for child pornography defendants and her thoughts on sentences for child pornography cases. They were asking so many questions about child pornography cases that I thought Josh Hawley's next question was going to be, Mr. Chairman, may we take a recess so I can destroy my child pornography collection? (laughs) For legal reasons, I have to say Josh Hawley does not have a child pornography collection to the best of my knowledge. Since being kicked off her House committees and being banned from Twitter, Georgia Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene spends all her free time watching her nipples harden at the thought of her COVID-infected constituents being placed on a ventilator. (laughs) For legal reasons, I have to say she doesn't do that, to the best of my knowledge. (laughs) 
Then there's Matt Gates, who is such a big dick that he could play a penis in the sex scene in Pam and Tommy. Jeez. Matt Gates' ex <laughs> Matt Gates's ex-girlfriend could be a potential witness in a possible sex trafficking case. She is reportedly a sex worker or a porn star, or as a Florida grand jury would call her, an upstanding citizen. <laughs> in this video, Green and Gates respond to the work of the House January 6th committee with a press conference and a podcast episode. Congresswoman Green and I are not here to celebrate January 6th. We're not here to obsess about it, but we are here to expose the truth, to ask key questions about what happened on January 6th, who animated the violence, the extent to which the federal government may have been involved. We know this. January 6th last year wasn't an insurrection, but it very well may have been a fed surrection. And I guess one thing that has always been kind of bizarre to me, why do you think Democrats are so obsessed with this day? I mean, you know, back in, in, in Florida and Georgia, people are worried about their families, their jobs, their freedoms and liberties. As they should be. And Democrats in Washington act like this is the end all be all. And I just I just wonder why that is. But they don't care about riot riots and they don't care about the riot that happened here at the Capitol on January 6th last year. What they care about is they care about drama, they care about theatrics, and they care about creating an image that they can try to sell through the media who's completely bought in to convince the American people that an insurrection happened here in Washington when it didn't happen. It wasn't done by the people. There was a riot here. It was violence. You and I didn't like it. But the real insurrectionists, I think, are the Democrats because of what they're doing to our country and how they are completely perverting um, the Constitution and Congress and what it's set up to be. And I'm, I'm really glad I'm here with you today. And I wish that there was more of our conference with us. So they had the term Fedsurrection in that second clip on the little Chiron graphic for that uh, for that podcast. And between that and Matt Gates saying it in that first clip, like they're basically like the people at a conference where the organizer is trying to get a hashtag to trend. But, you know, they're the only ones using that hashtag. Like that's that's how awkward that sounds. I needed that. Thank you. I needed that after that. You think Gates was looking at her, imagining her about half her age? Yeah, I can't imagine that he was thinking of anything other than that. <laughs> he's like, she was probably hot when she was 16. <laughs> Although Florida is the new home state for the 45th president, it is becoming a hotbed of Trump acolytes to the point where they will all outdo each other. In the best position to do so is the state's chief executive, Governor Ron DeSantis. In this clip, we hear him speaking to a maskless crowd this past New Year's Eve, bragging about enforcing his state's lack of COVID measures. Well, good evening. We wish y'all a happy new year. And I'm glad we're going to be able to celebrate the new year in the freest state in the United States. year and a half in this country. Uh, Florida, we stood up for your freedom. We stood up for your rights. We were not going to let government take away the rights that are the gift from 
I like how that that humming noise kept going in the background while DeSantis was speaking. That humming noise is actually what Omicron sounds like as it's going <laughs> around and just and just feeding on everybody in that crowd. It sounds like a horror movie. <laughs> what a disgusting human being he is. And he continues to advance his political career off the dead bodies of his citizens. Yeah. What I was going to say is I worry he's going to be our next president. According to someone in my neighborhood, uh, DeSantis has already signed on to be Trump's running mate in 2024, if you believe the giant flag he has flying outside his house. Well, Um, obviously, I do make all of my decisions based on what flag someone hangs up outside their house. (laughs) (laughs) Being the self-appointed guardians of what all people think, regardless of their lack of knowledge of backgrounds or the circumstances surrounding the environmental factors in one's upbringing, the standard mostly vanilla panels on Fox Entertainment's so-called news channel give their thoughts on what non-white people think of the Joe Rogan controversy, as Greg Gutfeld demonstrates in this clip. Jewel, what that discussion showed you, it's all about getting him fired. The first attempt, which was uh, on uh, COVID information, didn't work. So then miraculously, this this uh, montage just shows up from maybe a Democratic pack. No one's quite sure. But it tells you that it is not about the word. Um, I don't think Stelter and Acosta give a damn about the n-word they just want that scalp because cnn is dying they're losing it and they tried they tried to bring uh uh Joe down and they couldn't do it the thing is when you look at uh, the, the rogan montage it looks bad but it's designed to look that way if you take out all the co- if you put all the contacts contacts back in it actually looks less bad <laughs> i've noticed that there are there aren't a lot of blacks caring about this story. It's only white liberals and white leftists who want to bring down Rogan. And I think maybe it's because blacks see that the word is being used as a tool, not that, not the word being offensive itself, but the fact that they this is a this is manufactured for a for a different mission than the rejection of the word. It's about going after somebody or else they would have included the context. Why didn't you include the context? What he was saying, basically what he was saying is that more important to Black people than Joe Rogan saying the N-word is the fact that somebody put this together to attack him, which I'm not really sure is true, you know? Yeah, Chip, that was going to be my point exactly, is that he seems to be arguing that, and let's be clear, he did not say Black people. He said right. the blacks, <laughs> the blacks. Um, that, Good that his whole point right. is that like, Black people are just seeing right through this liberal media agenda. Right. And that's why yeah. they don't care. Not because they're just so fucking exhausted with so everything tired. else. It's right. like. <sighs> this, this, remi- this reminds me, you know, of our home team, our home football team's old name. People would always throw up the idea, you know, these surveys, how they, they, they surveyed Native Americans to find out what they thought about the name of the football team. And it would always fall, you know, like around fourth or fifth. And then say, see, Native Americans really don't care about this issue. You know, it's only like fifth in what they care about. But they never tell you, well, what's the stuff that they care about above that? Well, employment, 
being right. fed, you know, right. housing, right. and it's like, okay, so, right. it gets so being kicked everyone. off their land and mocked yeah. by white so, people, like you so, know, so I mean, that's that's a pretty because, big because it's not all the way up there with the things that keep them alive. Then they really don't care about it. It's like they care yeah. about it, but you know, put it in context. You know, it's like yeah. When he first took office, Vladimir Putin was like a new toy that a kid would get for Christmas. Now his reputation throughout the world is tantamount to it sitting in the back of the closet, gathering dust. Its last piece of action it saw was being humped by the family's aging Jack Russell Terrier with a bladder problem. (laughs) The effect of the invasion of Ukraine on the Russian economy means that Vladimir Putin's actions make what Herbert Hoover did during the start of the Great Depression seem mild by comparison. Since his ascension to power in 2000, following the resignation of Boris Yeltsin, Vladimir Putin has been an object of curiosity to many Americans, as we can see from this interview with Putin on CBS. You're much talked about in America. There's much conversation, more so than Maybe they have nothing else to do in America but talk about me. No, no, no. No, or maybe they're curious people. (laughs) Or maybe you're an interesting character. Maybe that's what it is. Are you curious about America? more than simply another nation that you have to deal with. Of course we're curious about what's going on. America exerts enormous influence on the situation in the world as a whole. What do you admire most about America? I like the creativity. Creativity. Creativity when it comes to your tackling problems. Their openness, openness and open-mindedness, because it allows them to unleash the inner potential of their people. And thanks to that, America has attained such amazing results in developing their country. It almost makes you nostalgic for the days when the most despicable of the two of them was Charlie Rose. (laughs) Those were the days. I hope he appreciates the American creativity in trying to get around his media blackouts and his censorship. I mean, President Zelensky was interviewed recently and they asked him, I mean, there's people out there dying and that man's sitting there saying, we need help. And the interviewer said, is Putin a war criminal? I'm like, no shit. (laughs) Are you going to ask? I don't know. It just blows my mind. And he, he, he just... They just asked him, like, what do you want to tell American? And what do you want Americans to know about what's going on in Ukraine? I'm like, and he's sitting there with his tight shirt, looking sexy, and people are blaming him that he's young and trying to flaunt his chest and that bod. And I'm like, what is wrong with people? Anyway, I mean, to be fair, I mean, we did have someone who was willing to flaunt a tight chest you know, in, in Pete Buttigieg. But no, we decided to go for uh, <laughs> two candidates of uh, my parents' generation going at one another. Also, like I'm, I'm looking at a lot of this footage of Vladimir Putin. Like I'm seeing a lot of the images that he posts, um, or a lot of the photo ops that he's done. And I don't know if it's just me, but his facial expressions always look like he's holding in screams of pain while he's having his chest hairs <laughs> pulled out with hot wax. Screaming <laughs> Kelly Clarkson. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know the reference, right? Forty-year-old virgin. Forty-year virgin. <laughs> Efforts to get the Russian people on the government side include a forced attendance at a pro-invasion rally, which means Russia is partying like it's 1929. The rally itself and the optics are dissected 
in this news clip. Uh, today, you know, we also mentioned that huge rally Vladimir Putin held in Moscow, marking the eighth anniversary. This is what he was celebrating of the annexation of Crimea. That is the territory that was part of Ukraine that in 2014 Russian forces seized without a shot fired, I should say. This rally, you know, we, we there are reports that some of the people who were there told reporters that uh, they'd been forced to go there by their bosses. Others don't, didn't want to be photographed. And, and some said that they were told there would just be a concert. It, it feels like as a leader, he is becoming Brezhnev or Khrushchev or something like that. Like, like he's literally turning the clock back in the, the, the crazy Soviet style. Am, am I overstating that? No, or, or like Kim Jong-un or Kim Il-sung or any of the, the other Stalinist dictators that we, uh, that we know and seen uh, operating around the world. So, Terry, this is, this is sort of the, the, the old Stalinist play. Uh, it wasn't an invite. It, you will be there and you will wave the flag. Uh, you will check your, your uh, box uh, and, then you can, uh, and then you can go home. And, in fact, we saw reports of people who showed up, checked the box, said, hey, I showed up, and then they immediately left the... Uh, but I think one of the things that, to take away from it, I mean, it's obviously designed for uh, domestic political consumption. Nobody outside of Russia believes that that was anything but a staged rally. So I think one of the things we need to think about is what did Mr. Putin say? Uh, and the thing that I think was uh, was most interesting to me, at least, was he talked about the Donbass uh, and, and taking back the Donbass. So he didn't uh, talk about the demands of the denazification as much. He didn't talk about uh, what he thinks the, uh, the Ukrainians need to do in, st in terms of staying away from the EU or from NATO. Uh, so his demands and the things he focused on were much uh, uh, much more limited and weren't the same sort of uh, uh, extreme demands that we know are being presented at the negotiating table with the Ukrainians. You know, the, the funny part to me was they're talking about all the soldiers in the Donbass region, and, you know, they're bringing lots of them back because they're having frostbite. And then you've got the dumb boss, Putin, wandering around in his designer parka. Uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, if I were a soldier over there and I saw that, I'm thinking, you know, my... My colleague's feet are freezing and he's wandering around in this park as showing off. I, I would think that that's not going to go over well with the troops and the, the people in the streets. Well, good I mean, thing the troops don't actually have, you know, Internet access and television because right. their feet are freezing off. So I'm pretty sure they don't know that's happening. Well, I, I bet it's on Russian television over there. And, you know, for, for those that grew up and were a certain age and remember the old Russian national anthem, you know, there's a part in the international where they talk about shooting the generals from their own side. And, you know, I kind of think that might come true if this thing keeps going the way it's going. Shooting the generals from their own side. Like I'm, I'm thinking maybe that's how, like we were talking earlier about, you know, Russian street performances. Like maybe it's going to turn into this situation where like you have a whole bunch of, you know, protesters suddenly going after the government and, you know, fingers crossed, it's a long shot, but overthrowing them. Wouldn't it be great if their chant was, in Russia, protesters arrest you? <laughs> Are you opening for Yakov Smirnov? <laughs> I like the one on Facebook where everybody has the thing where you put your dog poop called a Putin. I think that one's, you know, you got to make fun of him directly. Uh, you know, maybe if they did some street theater where all the guys took their shirts off and pretended like they were riding horses or something. I don't know. So I actually heard a funny story about some, uh, I believe it was Americans who were in France and ordered poutine and they were upset <laughs> yeah, yeah. because they thought that it was named after Putin. <laughs> They're like, oh yeah, no, this has been around for a long time. Yeah. Also what?
right? <laughs> right? It's not even spelled the same. Right? American support for the people of Ukraine has been so plentiful that we need to take to innovative ways to bring attention to it. In this clip, one speaker at a city council meeting in Plano, Texas, goes to unique measures to show his disdain for Russia. Hello, council. My name is Primetime99, Alex Stein, and I have a little presentation for you today. I have a little audio accompaniment, but I just want to, I want to take a moment to think about the people of Ukraine and what they're going through. So I prepared a little song for them. Let me turn this on. I really want to try to help the people out there. Okay, guys. So let me just get it going. They call me Primetime99, Alex Stein. I hope you guys like my flavor. <laughs> Come on. Time, 99, on the grind, all the time, go insane for Ukraine, a bullet in Putin's brain, I'm time, always on the grind, always got a shine, and you know it's no lie, what, oh, oh, excuse me, come on, audio, where are we going, now we're going, now we're cooking, guys, put a bullet in Putin's brain, do it for the Ukraine, I love you. We need to take out Vladimir Putin. Like Lindsey Graham said, thank you, Mary Mons. I appreciate the time. Peace. God bless you all. Prime oh. time to sign on Instagram. Thank you. We got you down. We got you down. The next, the next, the next speaker is Brian Wellington. I mean, mad props to the guy for doing that. And you know, meanwhile, I, I have a theory that he does this like at every single meeting because the people on the dais were just looking like, oh, it's this fucker again. Who knows what shit he's going to come up with this week? <laughs> How's Brian Wellington supposed to follow that? Yeah. <laughs> I really want to know what yeah, Brian Wellington had to say. <laughs> no, uh, but yeah, you know what I was thinking? Uh, there's a lot of this protest art and it's usually not very good. His is actually good. But I guess, yeah, the problem is uh, enough with the showing of support. Like, we got it. It's great. I I'm actually quite annoyed. You know, everybody keeps asking me, like, every day, uh, you still safe? I'm sick of telling people, yeah, I'm safe. You know, like, ugh, stop, right? And, and the worst is, like, people from Belarus will be like, oh, you're still in Kiev? You know, uh, let me try to get you out of uh, here. And I'm like, you're in Belarus. Like, that's even worse. You know, you're you're you effed way more than I am. You know, I can just get uh, hit by a missile. That's fine. You know what I mean? Then you just die. But at least if I survive, I'm going to live in the free world, you know, and you still, that's the, the reason I left Belarus, you know, because you can't be honest and walk down the street because like, if you have the white, red, white flag on you or something, or if you say anything publicly, uh, you can go to jail, you know? And uh, some of the uh, people that are close to me, they went to jail twice. 
uh, anyway, it's a long, a long story short. And so uh, he, he was facing basically criminal charges and he was going to go to jail for like uh, an extended period of time. That's why we all left, you know, because um, anyway, uh, lots of people in Belarus are uh, facing charges or in, are in prison now for uh, political reasons. Uh, that's why I couldn't stay there. And so now everybody who who's left, like, I feel like they're way, you know, they, they're in danger, uh, in way more danger uh, than I am. At least for me, everything is black and white. I'm so, I'm kind of grateful to this war or war because like, oh, I know where, which, which side I'm on. And I know I, I can never go back to Belarus unless I'm with the AK-47, you know? It's crazy, right? But, uh, you know. But before we go, my final thought. From what we can tell the first month of this year, it's clear the highlight of the year 2022 will be Betty White dying New Year's Eve 2021. (laughs) I'm starting to think that Betty White knew 2022 was going to be hell. It wasn't the People magazine cover that jinxed her. It was her thinking, fuck this, I'm out of here. 2022 itself started off with a slew of celebrity deaths. There was Bob Saget. Depending on the circumstances of his death, it may not be completely sad as his estate may be able to win $10,000 from America's Funniest Home Videos. Oh, Tom! Oh, Tom! Bob Saget would be the perfect winner to succeed the 2021 winner of that prize. Capital rioter <laughs> Ashley Babbitt. We also lost Louis Anderson, and I find it fitting that he would follow someone called Meatloaf. When I initially posted that joke, someone who worked with him often said that he would have loved that joke. Personally, I think he would have taken an issue as Meatloaf was way too old of a target for him to abuse. (laughs) I'm really looking forward to Louis C.K. dying, mainly because I want to see how he'll be honored. I hope it's a testament to his biggest contribution to the world of comedy by having his penis hanging out of his pants while he's in his coffin. Of course, (laughs) as he's an old white guy, you may not be able to see it, So I pity the poor funeral home worker that has to take a penis pump to him so that his cock will be gloriously on display for all mourners to see. And if it's that bad an idea, then why is it in Louis C.K.'s will? (laughs) This year started as an improvement over last year, as my 2021 started with me receiving angry tweets from Mariah Carey fans all over the world for some jokes I tweeted about her New Year's Eve interview with Anderson Cooper. The hatred was international, as it brought multiple cultures together. If my comedy career ever goes tits up, then I may be in line to become an ambassador, sort of like an R-rated Shirley Temple. (laughs) I will be highly qualified, as because of all the angry tweets, I now know the Lithuanian for damn asshole. (laughs) Truthfully, the new year really is a good time for us to take stock and reflect on the fact that as the new year starts, we are all on equal footing and that every single one of us makes the minimum payment on our January credit card statements. And it got me thinking in way I'm glad the holidays are over because I get a lot of really shitty offers around the holidays. For instance, I was offered a lot of money this past Christmas to host a karaoke party. I politely declined. In retrospect, it was the best decision. Sure, COVID was running rampant, And I may have gotten myself and a few of my close relatives ill, but at least I wouldn't have the embarrassment of knowing I got paid to host a karaoke party. 
Good night. This episode was written and hosted by Tom Myers with panelists Jeff Heisen, Abby Mello, Michelle Wojcikowski, Gina Brown, Devine Kerr, David Kay, Tara Haley, Chip Jones, Allison Chadwick, Ward Morrow, and Misha Kalin. Theme music by Euron Vandenhurek. Executive producers Tom Myers, Matt Connerton for IPM Nation, and Eddie Carson for Odyssey Radio. Thank you for listening, and please visit TomMyers.us. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. If you want to listen to more of this episode, go ahead and subscribe to my Patreon. There you can get extended versions of episodes like this one, as well as bonus clips. You can even listen to regular episodes without all these pesky little ads through which you have to fast forward. Doesn't really cost that much. Plans as low as $1 a month. Go to patreon.com slash Tom Myers, spelled M-Y-E-R-S. Show the love, subscribe, show your support today. That's patreon.com slash Tom Myers. Hi everyone. I'm Orb. I am not the official spokesperson for Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y Funny Productions. A-A-Ron is tied up right now. Shut up, I'll untie you in a minute. Here at Oddly, we're producing some great shows. Bombing Run, where comedians compete to see who's Joker Ace. And Orb's Wacky World, a talk show with a mix of comedy, uncomfortable questions, and music hosted by yours truly. When you think of comedy, think of Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y, funny productions. Now, how do I get out of here? Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.